There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network, live on podcast from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside executive producer of the program, John Seymour, also known as the Sea Monster. And for questions from the audience, the, the people you want to hear from, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Peoria Plowboy and Iggy. Uh, gentlemen, Hello again, everybody. Morning, Tim. Great to be here. It's freezing balls off outside, so it's nice to be in a nice, warm studio with you fellas. But by the time people play this, Iggy, it might be 75 <laughs> degrees, and they could be on a tropical beach at, at Hedonism or something like that. Well, you've wasted a lot of time then, because that's going to be like five months from now. So. And, and then these answers to these questions are so damn timely that it's <laughs> of a critical nature that, that this podcast in particular is not evergreen. If you are just starting to tune in to uh, the Inside STL Podcast Network then uh, I would recommend you subscribe to this show. All you got to do is go to iTunes, wherever you podcast, type in the Tim McKernan Show, and then hit subscribe, and then all of our new episodes pop up in the feed. Uh, and then the Cat Chat, Jim Hayes' podcast, where he gets great cardinal guests and uh, gets conversations that you probably wouldn't be able to hear with other people doing those kinds of interviews because all those players know him from being on the road with the team. So it's called the Cat Chat and the Tim McKernan Show. It's all on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Ryan Kelly. Of thehomeloanexpert.com is our studio sponsor. If you still have not looked into refinancing, uh, then you really want to do that. Home values have never been higher, and I can tell you firsthand that you won't get better service than the service you will get from Ryan Kelly and his incredible staff at thehomeloanexpert.com. Why not save money? Why not? Take out the equity that you have in your home and pay off the bills with the higher interest rates. You can do it right now. See the numbers for yourself at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. So, gentlemen, uh, the questions from the audience submissions are picking up, and that means we have lots to get to uh, here on this uh, the program here. And I'm just going to go in order. I'm just going to go in order, unless I feel like one we've already answered or I just don't feel like it's going to produce uh, a result. And, uh, the questions get submitted when I post them on the TMA fan page. If you haven't joined that, I would recommend doing that as well. It's on Facebook. And um, we start here with our friend, uh, Iggy Cletus. And he asks, what's your worst beat ever? I believe that's a gambling reference. Uh, this weekend I had two horrible ones. Uh, Iggy, does one stand out to you in your wagering career? And I would encompass that with poker with sports wagering, daily fantasy, fantasy football. Uh, perhaps you want to tell uh, your your story about producer Joe. Get that going. I, I Whatever you got. Well, that was a bad beat, yeah. But, um, you know, it wasn't something that it was just a an error by a commissioner. It wasn't a bad beat per se where, you know, I got pocket aces and a guy calls me with 6'4 offsuit and hits a straight. Um, 
I've had a couple, and I can't remember the game, but it, it's brought back memories because there was one this year in college and then yesterday's game where a team scored on the final play and didn't kick the extra point. Yeah. Um, and it was a college game where they didn't even line up and kneel down. Um, they just, I don't know if they're required <clears throat> to do it in college. I knew, because we're recording this the morning after the uh, Vikings and Saints game, and in that game, because, uh, again, I don't know when people will be listening to this. It's a famous play. I'm sure you'll remember it. But uh, the the Vikings had to kick the extra point, and I happened to have the Saints plus six. But I wasn't particularly nervous, and the Vikings were up by five, so my wager was hanging in the balance. I remember watching, I believe, an NFL game, and I'm and I'm like, oh, my God, they got to kick the extra point. And then what did they do? They just knelt down. He knew that would happen. So yeah. I figured that was going to happen with the Vikings and Saints. But you had it where you would have won if they would have kicked the extra point and they didn't? Yeah, this was uh, man, it's probably 15 years ago, and I can't remember the game. But it was a game where they scored on the final play, and the fans emptied onto the field. Now, if there had been two seconds left, sure, they would have kicked it because then they would have had to kick off. So it wasn't like, you know, let's get over with. Um, but the fans rush the field. There's 30,000 people on the field. Game over. No extra point. I'm screaming, kick it. You got to kick the extra point. Get them off the field. And they didn't kick it. So <laughs> I, I wish I could remember the game, but that was one. Another one I was playing, um, uh, Juicy Juicy Steaks. Steak, uh, is the name of the website. Juicy Steaks is the name so of the website. You doing publisher. a live reader? Because I don't see it on the book. <laughs> it's gone now. Um, but I made all this. I made this money just by playing free rolls. And it was a site that you could get in and play a free roll. They capped it at a thousand players, and first prize was a hundred bucks. Sweet. You know, so I would just keep playing free rolls and have some success. Where I built up my my bankroll without putting a penny in there, where I had some money to play. And I got into a game where I think it was twenty five bucks to get in. It was a uh, PLO, and I think first prize was maybe twelve hundred dollars, something like that. And I had. Ace, ace, king, queen. And the flop is an ace. And I, I don't think ace, six, four, something like that. And then another uh, a king came up. There's only two kings left. I got one of them. So now I have a boat, ace over kings. And somehow this guy pulled, I guess the four and the six came up and it was suited. And then like an eight came up with suited. This guy pulled a straight flush mm. and I was all in and I would have been so far ahead of everybody else where now I'm, I'm short stacked. Well, I would have been worried about the quads. Yeah. So I wasn't worried about anybody, this guy. Uh, but anyway, it ended up being where my aces over Kings lose to this guy's straight flush. And now I'm short stacked and you know, I was that close to over a thousand bucks, and uh, mm. that was my bad beat. But then I guess juicy stakes, so that's that's probably all rigged anyway. Juicy probably the guy playing was steaks. a bot. Ball boy, were you the guy that that got the straight flush on Eggy on juicy stakes? No, I'm not. I do have one bad beat. Uh, I didn't even know you gambled. I didn't even know you'd I don't an answer for bet. this. I just thought you'd I, go back to, to banging the girl on the camera. I used to be really addicted to hold them. And I, oh, I didn't know this. Really? Really, I yeah. I thought I was wow. going to say you bought a Learning bag and ended up being... about the family today. That's and what we're so doing. I was, ended up being stems and seeds. That was no, bad this beat. Was, uh, I was still smoking hella weed at the time, so that probably didn't help my bank account. But I was up in uh, Burlington, Iowa, because Macomb, where I went to college, is about an hour and a half from the Iowa border. And they, you know, there's a New York casino. So we went, me and my buddies went up there and I have several hundred dollars. This is, I'm going to try to win it big because I didn't have class the next day. I ended up getting my bankroll up to like 13, 1400 bucks. We're just playing one, two and Ooh. ended up, I have Queens guy has seven, four drunk, by the way, there was a wedding party in this reception hall. 
So a ton of drunk Hoosiers came, threw a bunch of money down, which was beneficial. This guy had seven, four, ag queens, flop comes ace, queen, seven, raises, I re-raise, he calls. Another seven, he shoves all in, I call, I got a boat, and then a river of seven. So, wow. Yeah. That's tough. legitimate. And, and the pot, I mean, he had more than me, so I, lo- I, I, you got I lost $1,400. bucks. Oh, so it been, my God. So it would have been $3,000 pot, and I would have cashed out and would have had a good time. So I that thought was I would easily win this, tough. this, this, this discussion, and I don't, I, I don't think I do. The only bad beat I can really remember as a card player, I didn't really get too pissed at the table. Kind of a fun-loving guy. That one... I'm glad my buddies were there because wow. they saw it. My buddy instantly cashed out because I'm gonna flip. Wow, dude was wasted. The problem with dude was wasted. So he's seven four and it's a one two on LHE game. Yep, so we got, wow. yep. I had queens, uh, flop trips. It's. I figured he wow. had an ace, and then wow, right when he wow, right when he shoved, and I. God, Larry Connor's Omaha bad beat story, like the seventy five thousand dollar Omaha pot. Oh my God, there's that. I mean, my I have a one outer as well because that's what that was. Yep. It was a one outer. And it was in a World Series of Poker circuit event here in St. Louis. And I really don't play cards in St. Louis live all that often. But this was at uh, one of the casinos in St. Charles, and I don't remember which one. Uh, and, it, I mean, it really, it, it's not like that in the sense that, you know, I got it in with, uh, I think, aces, I'm pretty sure. And the other guy got it in with kings, so nobody did anything strategically wrong. And the only king in the deck that wouldn't have given me a four-flush came out on the river and it knocked me out of the tournament. Otherwise, I would have been, I don't want to say chip leader, but certainly top 10 in chips. I had a big stack. He had a big stack. I mean, it's aces versus kings. And I, that's the only time that I am aware of being one-outered. Um, and it was, you know, I mean, it was a big deal. It was a decent-sized tournament. It wasn't, you know, a $10,000 main event type deal, which would be something you'd remember the rest of your life. I, I still remember this. It's like a $350 buy-in. My, I remember, however... And I'm embarrassed by this, but it's true. It's almost been 10 years. My God, July 2008. Wow. Uh, my first time playing in the World Series of Poker main event when I I was so excited about playing. And I look that back on That's probably the it. most disappointing part of this is you were so excited. Oh, I, but it's, it's like I look back on it now and I'm almost embarrassed by how delusional I was to think that I had a chance. Now, I realize <laughs> the average person listening doesn't play poker you know, as much as I used to play poker, I still play it now here and there, but not where I used to read and study and still you're at the, at the hands of the gods, so to speak. But, um, you know, I wasn't that, I wasn't, I wasn't a winning player then. I happened to win my seat to the World Series of Poker main event in 2008 by winning on um, Poker Stars. And I remember at the final table, uh, a guy who for poker nerds, you'll know the name, Phil Galfond was at the table. Yep. Uh, I think his username was like OMG Clay Travis or not Clay Travis. What was it? Clay Aiken or something like that or Clay <laughs> Aiken fan or something like that. I don't know. Uh, and, you know, I didn't, I just, there were some really good players there because you're playing, you know, you're at a final table and it's a $12,500 prize. You get your seat for 10000 plus 2000 and spending money and then like 500 if you wear a Poker Stars hat or something like that. And I was short stacked, so I just kept shoving. If I had a normal stack, I probably would have tightened up, you know, which is completely the opposite way to go. And there were two seats for the final table, and I actually won it. I remember going upstairs, and I was so excited. And with the benefit of hindsight, like right now, if this were to happen, it would be so— What I would do is I would sell equity in myself probably for like $7,500. I'd sell cash for myself, keep a fourth of it, $2,500, and then I have a fourth of it. And if it works, it works. Or even keep 1000 and have 10%, whatever. I'm under the impression I'm going to go out there and be able to play. 
And don't get me wrong, it's not like I was horrible, but I wasn't. You have no idea. You have no idea until you actually sit at these things. And it doesn't have to be the main event. Sometimes it's actually the main event. It can be juicier because you have people who just want to play in the main event. They're not necessarily good players, but they have a bunch of money. Uh, and you just have no idea what it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's in another level. And, and that was 2008. I mean, it's even more tough now. Point being... I make it to day two. I'm thrilled. I actually have a decent chip st- stack, and I've got it going a little bit. And on my right, or no, he was on my left because I was under the gun, was Jeff Bryan, who's an older guy. And usually the great players, usually, not always, are uh, in their 20s because they're usually math wizards. And he's on my left, and he had finished 28th or 7th the year before. And that's the only reason why I knew. Um, and I had raised with pocket fours under the gun. First position left of the big blind. I'm talking like everybody knows what the hell I'm talking about. And he called. He just called. And uh, the flop came. I flopped a set of fours. I like how you're intense on this, Plowhawk. You're visualizing it. And this I'm is the main right. event. I think... It's my own 10 grand in there. I wouldn't drop 10 grand now. Oh, I, I don't know if I'd ever player. drop 10 grand in a poker tournament. Yeah. If I start making millions of dollars somehow, I suppose maybe I'd do it. But uh, it's my own money. I mean, I didn't buy in, but still, it could have been my own money. Uh, and he calls, and I believe, if memory serves, it's four, seven, uh, God, what would they have to have been? I don't know. Four, four, se- four, seven. That's what it was. Four, seven, like blank, whatever. And he calls. I'm like, sweet. I mean, I'm going to take, take, you know, this is going to be a monster here. The turn is a six. I fire another bet. Now he essentially comes back over the top and puts me all in. That's so, why I hate cards. And you're like, what the fuck? So, so the board at this point is there's a six on the turn, obviously a four on the flop, and a, a seven. Uh, I, I, yeah, whatever. Either way, the point is, I'm like, I got a call. I mean, mathematically, I think if I know the game, and I can't remember the exact stacks, I wrote about it. I know that. You can read it on InsideSTL.com if you really want to relive this for whatever reason. And God help the two of you who do. But he turns over, uh, I call, he turns over a 5 and an 8. And so he had hit a gut shot straight, calling me under the gun plus 1 with 5-8. And then called on the flop even. Which called is- on the flop because I'm sure he's, I'm sure what he's, what he's calculating there. Because this wasn't this wasn't your seven four guy in Iowa. What he's calculating there are for, well. First off, the board is a dry board. Yeah. So, so you're trying he's to... thinking, okay, ace king, ace queen. I'll see if he fires another bullet on the turn. That's what he's thinking. And on the off chance he has an overpair, and I hit the gutter ball, gut shot. Now I'm back in my poker mode. This is nice. This is like back to the early two thousands. Uh, the implied odds by that, the fact that he could stack me theoretically. Um, you know, but the the one thing that I'm not going to fold there is a, is a set. Um, that's why I couldn't be a pro poker player. It's it's, just... it's it's all that thing is. You can be a great player and you're dodging landmines, or you're getting it in with ace king against queens, and it's a flip. And that's you know, and people oh, you got knocked out. Well, yeah, but I got it in good. But a lot of people don't get that. Which in that I'll tell you one thing because I sit there and I look back on all the time I played poker. And I go, God, I mean, I guess when it's all said and done, I made money, but not enough to justify the time. The way I con myself into thinking it was worth it is that I feel like I became way more analytical. Now, it also takes emotion out, which 
I think is good for business, might not be good for your personal life. But if you're just kind of like, no, this is the way that it is. And yeah, I got it in with aces and you got it in with King Jack and you can keep saying, well, I beat you. Well, I beat you. And I'd be like, yeah, you made the wrong play. So, but I won. Yeah, but you got it in bad. So you were wrong. But that's that. But, and and, and then if I, if I'm actually negotiating with somebody who thinks the King Jack was the right play, I'm like, good. I have the upper hand because they don't get it, but that's good. Um, so you become more process oriented, which I, like I jokingly say, it's, it's like what, you know, Instagram models now tweet about trust the process. And it's like, you probably have no idea what the hell you mean by that, but it's become cliche, but you focus on the process and not necessarily the result. And in that case, you know, he, he called with five, eight and it was a suited five, eight and just, you know, hoping to maybe, you know, but he's playing lottery, but that's, but the, you're so deep stacked in the world series of poker main event. If you have a decent stack, you can, you can try and hit on that. And God, I'm sure it propelled him to a nice run because he took me out. And I remember walking out of the Rio where they hold the main event. And I was, I mean, God, how old would I have been? 31. And I was, I was, I mean, like the, the air had been sucked out of me and I was like in a, a trance and I was staying at the hard rock and the Hard Rock's on the other side of Las Vegas from the Rio. And I remember taking the cab back and just being like, I have to get out of here. ASAP. I have to get out of here. I packed up my stuff. I tried to find a flight. The airport's super close to the Hard Rock. And uh, I just got on a flight. And I remember sitting on the... And I was able to get on a flight. I'm super lucky. And I remember thinking, I don't know how I am going to make it through this flight. And... It's the truth, and it's, like, embarrassing to think that's how much it devastated me because now, I mean, you deal with bad beats, and they suck, but, my God, to, like, have it, like, own me like it owned me. Oh, my God. I don't know. I'm just so kind of weirded out by that. The thing that disappoints me is not the hand. The hand was just whatever. I don't even know if it was a bad beat. Uh, it's the fact that I didn't know better than, to like, sell off 7500 of my and just make sure that I make $7,500. What the hell the am I worst, thinking? The worst part about a beat and that feeling of the bad beat is in your head during that hand, you're thinking about, look at this chip oh stack. I'm going to double up. And then it hits you. That's why when I can never be a poker player. When he comes then I realize I'm behind. You're screwed, yeah. Unless, no unless he's got, and I'm thinking, because it's not like I go, oh, I insta-called it. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, crap, he's got a set of eights, or crap, he's got a set of sixes, you know, because I have a set of fours. Uh, what I'm hoping is he's like slow playing, which would have been a really weird way to play aces, but the game was different in 2008. People would slow play aces. Not that people don't slow play aces now, but uh, I think it was more common. And it's an older guy, but it's an older guy who actually had run deep, so I know he's good because the nature of the player right now, hell, I, I guess I'd be considered older by some of these guys when I'd sit down at a table now, but when I, I've had a, I, the day, the year I made it to day three, I had a great stack, and I had outplayed these really good European players. There had to be some professional players there. And then they broke up our table, and I walk over to a table, and it's like, God, five of the t players had to have been over 50. And in poker, that's like unheard of. And they had heaps of stacks. I'm going, oh, my God, I might actually be able to make a run. I'm sitting there with like 80,000 chips. And because I couldn't figure out what the hell they were doing, and I'm not sure what the hell they were doing, and I don't know if they knew what they were doing, I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. But Jeff Bryan, the guy who knocked me out, was a legitimately good player. And, you know, I get what he was doing there. I'm not mad about it. It's just the fact that it wrecked me and that I didn't capitalize on the money. That That's what will always stand out to me. Uh, so, you know, if you had the Vikings uh, minus five and a half and the extra point got you, I get that being tilting. 
but um, that's my World Series of Poker experience. You will enjoy your experience with the James Carlton State Farm Agency. If you're in front of your computer, while you're listening to this, go to carltoninsurance.net right now and just get a quote to see what's the good word. Ask yourself a question. What's my insurance company doing for me? Then go check them out on Google and Facebook and see what they're doing for others in your community. The good news is you probably already have the product that James offers. The bad news is if you're not with James, you're without question sacrificing service and likely paying too much. It's James Carlton, the James Carlton State Farm Agency, 314-961-4800. That's 314-961-4800. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. What's the most painful loss you've ever experienced as a sports fan? What's the most painful loss you've ever experienced as a sports fan? I have mine, Iggy. I don't know if you 2005 wanna... Illinois, North Carolina? I feel like we answered this question. I don't think that's the one I'm going with. I'm going with, and it's a regular season game, not a big, meaningful game, but it was when the replacement refs were in place no, during the, the Seahawks-Packers game. When the you had one ref calling it yeah. incomplete, the other ref calling it a catch. That was painful, not only because I'm a diehard Packers fan, just because it wasn't an interception. That's what pissed me off even more. The game's called. It's over. There's nothing you can do about it now. But I think the shining light about that game is, is it got the regular refs back in place. I think the NFL saw a ton of backlash from that game. So they ended up, you know, caving and letting the other refs uh, back on the field, but that was by far the most devastating I've ever had at a loss. It was horrible. Iggy, what are you going? Um, bah. without a doubt, because growing up, um, through high school and even a little after I was a huge Bjorn Borg fan. I mean, I lived and breathed Borg playing tennis. I wore the headband. I could have given a million guesses. I would have never. <laughs> um, I had a Bancroft tennis racket. Uh, get up every Wimbledon at 6 a.m. to watch breakfast at Wimbledon. I would sit there in front of the TV and just go crazy with every point. Um, and I don't know, maybe it was, was it 80? I don't remember, but I know he lost. He had never won a U.S. Open. Never did win a U.S. Open. Um, and the matches he lost to McEnroe in the finals of the U.S. Open. I remember, I think it was 80. They went into the night. It's a five-setter and just lost the fifth set. And I was heartbroken. That's my boy. McEnroe, or uh, Borg was my boy. And when he lost that, that was, uh, so it's nothing that I, it wasn't a gambling thing with me. I was just, loved Bjorn Borg. And when he could never win a U.S. Open, and he lost that match that I thought he had against McEnroe, uh, crushing to me. I, I think if you're, if a certain age in St. Louis, I guess you would either go with the 85 Cardinals or the, the 2001 Rams, uh, I'm trying to, like, Missouri fans have plenty. You know, not everybody in St. Louis was a Missouri fan. I mean, I don't, the, the fifth down to me, they weren't any good. It just would have been a huge upset. The 97 one, they also they were good, but they weren't playing for a national championship. Uh, the, the, the crap defensively against Auburn in 2013 bothers me because I feel like that was really, it, it's, it's overlooked how poorly poorly handled that was because it was the same damn play and it cost you an opportunity to play for a national championship. With that said, I remember the one that actually kept me up and it's somewhat obscure is the 2002 NLCS against the Giants 
Um, and it's weird because, I mean, I was covering the team, so to be that emotionally. But that was the year Jack Buck died. That was the year Daryl Kyle died less than a week later. Uh, and that was a team that had swept the defending world champion, Diamondbacks. And you're going, my God, there! this is going to be like a team of destiny. It's going to be an incredible story. And every one of those losses in San Francisco, there's only two losses in San Francisco, they won one of them, were like in bo- the bottom of the ninth. And Matt Morris had pitched his ass off, uh, you know, in, in part in tribute to Daryl Kyle, who he was really close with. And... You know, the Giants start rallying. In comes friend of the show, Steve Klein, who had been on the mound the year before when Tony Womack ended the series against the Diamondbacks. Uh, And Kenny Lofton gets a base hit. J.D. Drew, I know some of his teammates weren't happy with the effort on that play or the throw. I remember that the next day being in the Cardinal Clubhouse when they were cleaning out their lockers. Uh, and, uh, And I just remember just being devastated. I remember going to bed, and my girlfriend at the time... I go, I'm not going to be able to sleep. And I remember she was just like appalled, like that I was sitting there saying I wasn't going to be able to sleep. I can't, I don't remember what she said. I just remember going, she was appalled. And I remember thinking, wow, she's not the right girl for me. And I swear to you, we broke up within a couple of weeks. Not exaggerating. I'm not saying it was because of that. I'm just saying it didn't help. And uh, that one just, I, this, that's the only time that I can remember staying up. I think if I would have been watching the Rams and Patriots at home on TV as opposed to being there and having to cover it, I think it would have bothered me more. I think if I were older and had already gone to the University of Missouri, the Cardinals-Royals things, 885 would have bothered me because I didn't look at Kansas City like the way I know it is over there now with their thing with St. Louis, and that would have bothered me. But I was 8 so or 9, and I so I didn't, didn't know anything about it. Um so I know it's obscure, but that's the one that I remember keeping me up. Uh, you can interview anyone from history, dead or alive. You can go b- back as far as Jesus, who you got, and why. You've interviewed them all already. I mean, who who's left? But you can go back as far as 2,000-plus years, who you got? Spartacus, I think. Spartacus. Yeah. Reason being... Well, I'm a big Spartacus fan. Watch everything that has to do with Spartacus and the Roman Empire and uh, his revolt against Rome and freeing the slaves. And um, just what it was like back in that day, you know, knowing every time you stepped into that arena, if you win, that means you survived. If you lose, you're dead. And uh, just, I think it would be cool to interview Spartacus. Something Mm. about gladiators, I don't know. (laughs) So when we bring them back... Could have gotten a million guesses on that one as well. Bjorn Borg and Spartacus for the parlay. So when we bring them back to life and interview them, do we get to ask them about their death? Because mine is... I'm a huge Kurt Cobain fan. Nirvana is one of my favorite bands. And I would love to have a sit down and talk to him about life and his struggles with drug addiction and things like that. And I also would like to ask him about his relationship with Courtney Love and maybe get some insight on that. It's a huge conspiracy theory for me. That's the one that I always... That me and my dad always look into. He's so you're a huge suspicious. Yes, very. You watched that documentary, I guess. Yes, yes. And so well. my dad, a uh, huge Kurt Cobain fan as well. So I think I'd pick him amongst the bunch. But I'm sure I th- I'll think of hundreds today after we leave. My answer is Jesus. <laughs> uh, Good one. And I would hope that we could record the interview. Uh, I would imagine it would immediately put the televangelist out of business because he'd go, "How about this group?" 
Uh, this doesn't represent anything that I talked about. True. Um, so that, that would be helpful to the world. And then also try and figure out what's doing because then that of course also would be helpful to the world. I think it would put a lot of the things that cause problems in the world to bed. So if I can interview somebody that would not only, uh, be of course fascinating, but, uh, could probably help solve some problems as well. I just would like it to be because, because if I don't have it recorded, I still think some people say it's not be real. very informative. It would be. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it help out a little bit? I would love it because uh, I'm obviously in this in the same camp as you as far as religion is concerned. So, so, I so hey, I, I, so I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's real. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying I would like to, yeah, uh, you know, see what he would have to say, and that would be certainly helpful. Uh, all right, final one for this edition of questions from the audience on the Tim McKernan show. I feel like you are very accessible to your audience. You relate well, make yourselves available to the listeners, and often speak of meeting them in person. I think that is a tangible reason for your success. But how do you balance fame? Wow, I have a problem with the word fame if you're like a radio personality in St. Louis. But I understand it was said sincerely. But how do you balance fame with your personal lives? Have you ever had uncomfortable situations arise? As a father, Tim, has your attitude changed? All right, gentlemen, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, fame is... <laughs> I love the word. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Fame. I mean, I actually enjoy when listeners come up and say they enjoy the show. Iggy, I enjoy you on the on the show. Can I get a picture with you? You know, and I'm kind of embarrassed if they're asking for pictures, but they're saying, I don't want to bother you. Dude, you're not bothering me. Come up and say you enjoy the show, take pictures, whatever. Um, a little taken back one time when... God, it was last year at one of our TMAs where the guy who always wins the contest brings his kids... Um, guy's a, a trivia wizard. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. But it was one last year in the summer. He came up to me and said, Iggy, I uh, hate to bother you, but my kids are big fans. Yeah, like, kids are big fans. They're like six. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> and he said, uh, my kids are big fans. Uh, do you mind if we get a picture? I said, no, not at all. And then Doug walked in. And he said, Doug, you got a minute? My kids are big fans. What the fuck? You just, <laughs> you just said I was a big fan. So basically it wasn't the That's truth. The line. It wasn't the truth. But, you know, I'm a little I'm taken more back. comfortable, though, with the story now at the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little, little taken back. In the middle when, of the story, now I'm more comfortable. When if you listen to me on the air <laughs> talking about the stuff I talk about <laughs> and my six-year-old kids are big fans. Um, so thank God that was just a ploy because he said that to Doug, too. But I have no problem at all. I mean, I think our listeners are very cool, and I'm always happy to stand and talk while I'm outside smoking or walking through the crowd to stop and shake hands and say hi. It's kind of cool. I'm the same way. Actually... I like listeners coming up to me because then I can ask them what they like about the show, who's their favorite character. But the best part is when they have their significant others who either don't listen to the show or you kind of can tell that are forced to listen or at least know of the show. Yeah, the show cucks them. And you kind of <laughs> ask the female perspective on what they think. And they actually, you know, they kind of beat around the bush and try to be nice about it, but they enjoy it as well. So we hit all demographics. So the worst one is when my girlfriend's dad said, he listens. Oh, no. And so that's kind of a, you know, where do I draw the line? What do I say? And he was really cool about it. And he said, say whatever you'd like on air. Just don't disrespect me and my daughter. I said, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, so request. I encourage listeners to come up to me. I absolutely love it. And at the Hot Shots January 25th, I'll be signing 9 by 12. Oh, so, my you God. You know, that fame is really caught on. Fame. 9 by 12, is that the new I don't even know if it's a 9 by 12. It's a little poster. Uh, let's see. How do you balance fame with your personal lives? I enjoy uh, meeting the listeners. I legitimately do. Um, sometimes 
like when we're out and doing the show and people want to come up, it's difficult in the sense that we're tending to business. And if you don't give and and, and, and they're, they're there for, you know, fun and we're there in particular, like at the very beginning of the show when we're trying to set things up or we're in a commercial break and we're coming back, whatever the case might be. And we're actually quote working. I use the term loosely, but it is our job. Uh, and that, 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 that can be difficult. I'm more uh, able and enjoying conversations when I'm like out at somewhere random, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm not working then. So that can be difficult uh, because there you have people who are legitimately big fans of the show because they've come to the event and the venue. And I don't feel like I can give them the time because I'm locked in. And you guys see it every morning. I come in, there's no small talk and we go. And that's just the way I've always done radio. I have no idea why, but at this point it's, you know, I guess it's working. So we're not going to mess with the formula. Like I've always said, well, I mean, could I get here an hour early? Sure. I could. It would change the show though. The show is born. The success is born out of randomness. So if we were to plan it out, it would ruin it. Uh, Some of the best material is where we stumble into something. So, and I think Dave Glover, when he was in on, is an interview, uh, a little while ago, he said that exact same type of thing. Um, now, guests and serious interviews, different program. I do have uh, notes that I want to make sure I get to. But for our show, it's different. But when we're doing those events at Hot Shots, uh, it uh, it can be some. It can be a difficult spot. But as a father, has my attitude changed? No. I, I, if anything, I'm kind of like, yeah. When they come for me, not if. When they come for me, and they're coming, it's just a matter of when, because they're coming for for everybody for whatever it might be. It's just it's it's just an angry culture, and you guys don't, I guess, deal with it to the extent that I have dealt with it in the past. Um, I'll just be like, oh, I have my son, I have my wife, and we'll probably move. And no matter what, I got at least, I guess, at this point, to work in my hometown for 20 years in media, which was my goal when I was in college. And that's that's a win. So I don't know what it'll be, but I, I would imagine it, it's because I mean, I experienced it to an extent with the Jack Clark thing uh, five years ago and what that was like. And I'm just like, oh, next time it happens, I'm not I'm just I'm out. You can I'm, I'm not going to because I'm not because I'm, I'm not going to put my family through that. That's that's the reason for it. Uh, so it's just I see what's going on with social media and taking people down. And, you know, it's a it's a it's a sick situation. Because uh, it doesn't matter like how you've gone about it throughout the course of your life and how you've treated people, it could be one, you know, thing that you might not even be responsible for. And you, no matter what, you'll have enough enemies, and even if you don't, you have enough people who there's vested interest in shame or vested interest in the cause that makes them money that will take them down or to take people down. And so that'll, I mean, it's just, it's just a matter of time. And being nice to our listeners is easy. They're great people. And I've worked and I've worked at the man and the woman before I got to this show. Trust me, when you don't have any listeners to a show, it really kills the show. So when you actually, (laughs) when you actually have listeners engaging and saying they love the show, it gives you a little bit more motivation to do a better program. And so I've worked at you know, on shows that have had no listeners, no phone calls. And that's why I like to, I like yeah. to talk to listeners. What do they like? What do they don't like on the show? I mean, you got to appeal to Our them. listeners. But I mean, I think anybody, like, like Rizzuto's listeners, I would imagine he would say the same thing. And we've only met one time, I think. Uh, Glover, he would say the same thing. Frank Opinion, I'm sure he would say the same thing. They're so 
loyal, and, I, and I'm talking, I'm not, when I say, you know, I'm not talking about our listeners, I'm talking about like a social media pitch. It's just, I see it coming, you know, and it's just, and it'll be a shame. It'll upset people and it'll upset me included, my God, because uh, I'm only 41. So, uh, but, you know, I just, I've, I've said this before on the fan page. I said, it's coming. I said, I don't know what it'll be, but I've experienced it. It was a living hell. Uh, you can't, you can't convey it, what it's like, unless you've been there yourself. And like I said, there's a book called, so you've been publicly shamed by John Ronson. Read that. I, it's, it's very depressing, but, and it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's just the way that things, I mean, I just, every week there's a new thing and you just sit there and you just don't worry about the process. Just immediately, uh, kill the accused and, you know, I'm just not, so if anything, my son has quote taught me that, but I mean, it's not taught. It's just that these are the circumstances. This is what I care about way more than radio. And so, you know, have your fun, but no matter what I had my two decades or however much it'll be and God bless America. Uh, all right. There it is. Questions from the audience, uh, here on the Tim McKernan show. Always grateful to, uh, the Plowboy and Iggy for sitting in. Thank you to the audience for your questions, and we always appreciate the Seamaster on the ones and twos here on the program. Uh, we look forward to more questions from the audience and our guests every Monday here on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.